whether it be taking some photos, carrying someone across the river. Um, it was actually, it was really nice to uh, like see the teamwork aspect of it and um, have a, you know, the time of our life down there when we're just in the middle of nowhere. Leave it to Aaron to catch his first, uh, his first brown as a 26-inch brown. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I was shaking. And he tried every way possible to lose it, too, which is even better. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So now we, uh, yeah, we did, we got to do quite a bit of fishing there. Um, you know, we did some lake fishing, which was pretty fun. Got to catch a few rainbow in there, and uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was just a, a hell of a trip. Welcome to the Fly Fishing '97 podcast, a look behind the scenes of the fly fishing world, featuring insight from guides and gear reps, conversation with resort managers, thoughts on entomology, discussions on fly patterns and destinations, and plenty of fish stories. Most importantly, it's an exploration of this lifelong journey we call fly fishing. Here is your host, Mark Hopley, with this episode of Fly Fishing 97. <laughs> Truly a pleasure to have the guys from Hogleg Fly Fishing back on the program. We've got Ben Bortner, Skylar Moore, and Aaron Snyder. And uh, guys, thanks for coming on today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, pleasure to be here. I thought we'd start, uh, Ben, we got a bit of a, we got a four-way conversation going here, so I'm going to um, try and make it fairly uh, short and sweet. Tell us uh, the good news since we last spoke uh, about your uh, your IF4 submission. Yeah, so since the last time we spoke, uh, we found out that our film, uh, which we named Rio de Vida, uh, River of Life, uh, is going to be in the 2019 International Fly Fishing Film Tour, which is pretty exciting. Uh, they've got a number of showings uh, around the world, so pretty exciting for us. So Ben, how, how soon do they uh, kick off the IF four? So the, the the new version. Yeah, so the world premiere uh, actually is January fourth in Denver at the Fly Fishing Show, and then from there this, they keep going you know, every few days. Uh, you have to check out the schedule on flyfilmfest.com. They've got the schedule up there of all the different locations uh, around the world. I think they've got a bunch in Canada, the U.S., Australia, New Zealand, and some in South America. What I was hoping to do, uh, guys, if it works for you, is kind of get a little bit more in-depth on your trip and the kind of the making of this film. Um, so maybe I'll just kick it over to uh, Skylar. Skylar, thanks for joining us. Tell us uh, when you all joined uh, Ben and company down there. So Ben had taken off, I think, roughly October in Denver and told me, hey, I'll let you know when I find the spot. And we'd been in communications through WhatsApp for a few months and he'd had some good successes and had some good trips and had all kinds of different things going on. But he got a hold of me in about uh, mid March and said, Hey, I found, I found the spot, get Aaron, book your tickets. You guys need to get down here, but you need to be here within two weeks or so because these are migratory fish. So we pretty much dropped everything we were doing, booked our tickets and literally within 20 days or so we were uh, heading South towards chilly there to meet up with ben now aaron did you join the guys all kind of at the same time as, as skyler or how did it work for you uh, i actually met them i think about a year and a half ago um i actually just answered a craigslist ad they were looking for uh, a filming guy to uh start filming some of their adventures and whatnot and uh i had never been on a trip like that before and kind of just it just fell right on my lap there and ended up flying down with skyler and had the time of our lives so i've never got to experience a, a fishing trip of that caliber before so it was it was pretty intense uh getting down there and then kind of just being remote in the middle of nowhere catching these hogs you know 
Well, these are the types of trips that, I mean, uh, people only dream of a lot of people. And the fact that you guys really took the bull by the horns and, and made this journey. I did have a, a bit of a sneak peek uh, at what some of the, the fishing you had. And man, it looked like you guys had a great time on that. It was pretty fun because Ben had kind of told me what to expect uh, when we got down there. And of course, you know, you make that long journey. You know, for us, we had some weather delays and our, you know, 15, 20 hour trip turned into pretty much two and a half days to get down there. <laughs> so I was hoping <laughs> that the expectations weren't, weren't set pretty high, right? And within our first hour or so, casted a streamer and a huge shadow came up and you know the rest is history from there so it was it was pretty awesome to like make that journey down there and, and it definitely more than lived up to expectations uh ben this question is for you. you you must i i heard through the grapevine you had a few cancellations some delayed flights it was a bit of a journey uh y'all getting together down there yeah um well actually that question is for skyler uh he was the one they were i was already <laughs> down there so they when they were coming down they were the ones having all the issues. I think their flight in Denver, or Skyler can tell you more about it. Yeah. So we were slated to leave. And of course, you know, Denver weather can be 60 degrees in March or you can have, you know, a foot of snow. And we happened to get the day that it was a huge blizzard. So we were already behind uh, leaving Denver, which was, uh, of course, the domino effect. So we ended up having to fly from Denver to Houston, Houston to columbia columbia to santiago of course missed a flight there spent the night rebooked and then we finally got down there about a day and a half later to where ben was um and on that way of course all our bags were lost so aaron did end up getting his bag which was crucial because he had some camera equipment things we needed but i actually never got my bag until about a month back uh in denver (laughs) <laughs> that's not, if you watch that's gonna cut into the fishing just a little bit yeah so if you watch the, the film or the trailer uh which is on flyingfilmfest.com you'll see that skyler is wearing kind of a hodgepodge of clothing and uh no waders in the entire film and there's literally some photos of me carrying him across the river on my back in certain situations so we kind of had to make do what we could we kept you know, they kept telling us that they'd find his bag the next day. The next day it'll be there. The next day it'll be there. It just never showed up. We actually were staying in a hostel, and the hostel lady was running the hostel. was super nice, and she was getting on the phone and calling the airline and yelling at them in Spanish, and it was pretty hilarious. Uh, but the bag never showed up. So so basically, so as I'm understanding you guys, Skyler, you're sitting there, you got no clothes, no no rods, no nothing. Yeah, we uh, actually joked around, called it. I was, I was a little bummed out, but then I caught that huge fish that you'll see in the trailer like the first day. I think it was like four or five hours into the day, and I was so amped up, I told uh, the general, uh, no bag, no gear, no problems. Oh, just one thing I didn't realize when we were all the way down there, I just figured oh, I'll just go into you know some kind of a shop and you know buy some new clothes or something down there, but where we were at, there was literally nothing. There were no options, so you know, the local gear store had no waders, no waiting boots, no Gore-Tex jack. It was a little uh, more remote than I was expecting. You know, I guess the takeaway for me uh, on a trip like that, and so would you recommend next time anything that you absolutely have to have goes in your carry-on? Yes. Uh, if I would do two things, I would do differently. I for sure would not try to make the epic flight journey where you're going to have one to two hours in between three different flights in a row because – in my experience, it just wasn't, even if we would have had great weather, there were just too many variables that came up. So I would 
space my trip out a little bit better and just admit that it's going to take you at least two days just to get down to where you're flying and then probably another half a day of at least driving. So two and a half to three days of travel time each way. And then the other thing I would have done for sure, I did have my rods and my rod bag, which is great. Um, and I get held like six rods in there. So that was helpful, but I definitely would have put, <laughs> I would have put some more, uh, clothes and some other fishing essentials in there just in case that does happen. Cause I think it actually happens when people think. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? Those are, those are good life lessons, right? I want to bring Aaron, Aaron Snyder into the conversation here. Aaron, so I take it you're kind of the, the video guy on this trip, are you? That's me. Yep. I do uh, all the filming and editing. And, and I think from, from my point of view as an outsider, this is some, when you get three guys together, it sounds like you really came together as a team. Okay. Everyone brings something different to the table. And the fact that, um, one of you guys is basically has nothing. And, and then, so I would imagine that probably made, maybe freed up some, some, some time on the camera or, or how did that look? Yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I did, I'd say probably 95% of the filming. Um, every now and then the guys would, you know, hop in and take some photos and I'd get the lines wet. Um, I actually caught my first ever brown trout down there. It was probably about 26 inches, 13 pounds. So hell of a first fish to catch for uh, a brown trout in the river there. We kind of all just kind of took turns helping out each other, um, you know, whether, whether it be lending clothes, whether it be taking some photos, carrying someone across the river. Um, it was actually it was really nice to uh, like see the teamwork aspect of it and um, have a you know the time of our life down there when we we're just in the middle of nowhere. Leave it to Aaron to catch his first uh, his first brown as a twenty six inch brown. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I mean, I was shaking. And he tried every way possible to lose it too, which is even better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now we uh, yeah we did, we got to do quite a bit of fishing there. Um, you know, we did some lake fishing, which was pretty fun. Got to catch a few rainbow in there and. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was just a, a hell of a trip. Let's take this back a little bit, if you guys don't mind. I, I, I'd like to know how kind of hog legs came together as a group. Maybe, Ben, you could take that one. Actually, Skyler might be a better first part of it, but really, literally, Skyler one day was with our buddy Tommy. They, they came. Tommy's the guy who came up with the saying, hog leg. Tommy's like, oh, that's a hog leg. You know, like, it looks like a, it's so big, it's as big as a hog's leg and uh, for a, a trout. So one day, Tommy, I got his roommate to draw up a logo, and Skyler said, that's it, you know, we're doing it. And Skyler started uh, Hogleg, and I was like, oh, well, let me, you know, I want to be a part of it. And um, so we kind of started up Hogleg with the goal of, you know, we have all this camera gear, you know, Skyler with his real estate company that he has, uh, has all this fancy camera gear and equipment and drones. And we're like, well, let's start filming and take some photos and, you know, have some fun. And then at some point, we'd go, you know, someone who's a little more talented on the lens and editing than us. And we, as Aaron mentioned, we kind of put out a Craigslist ad to see what would happen. And I uh, got quite a few responses actually, but Aaron's was really stood out to Skyler and I, he had some passion for, you know, wanting to learn to fish and uh, he'd done some pretty interesting projects before that. So that was kind of how it all came together. I don't know, Skyler, if you wanted to add anything to that. Yeah. I mean, I actually was looking for a new guy for our real estate stuff we we do websites and videos and stuff for all the properties and stuff that we do and aaron obviously responded he went to film school at michigan state and just had a really good role and i could tell he was up for the adventure because his kind of in his application he did some really cool trips he can tell you more about but he traveled the country in the back of his car for i think almost a full year 
doing microbreweries all across the U.S. Um, and he also went to Bollywood in India for um, three to four months, and they did a bunch of films and things there that uh, were really cool and could see that he had the, the passion and the tenacity to kind of go through some of these trips because obviously they're they're really you know sexy trips as far as the fishing and the remoteness and all that goes but it's obviously not very cosmopolitan so that was something that really stood out to me that i thought he could you know would be perfect for doing this aaron you want to chime in on that yeah um so i mean they pretty much explained it perfectly um you know i answered the craigslist ad and i'd been wanting to kind of break into the outdoor filming industry and i saw this as a huge potential um you know looking at some of the photos they provided and the website they had and whatnot um, i could tell it needed some work and i thought you know hey this would be a great opportunity to kind of put my foot or my footprint on it and uh yeah so some of the stuff that i had done before like like he was saying i studied abroad uh through michigan state's film school in um india we were there for two months uh just traveling all around uh india learning about the, the film culture there sightseeing just tons of fun stuff and i ended up making a 30-minute documentary there that got aired on pbs and wkar which is an affiliate of pbs and then uh as you mentioned as well the road trip that i went on I graduated from college, and my girlfriend and I decided that we wanted to hop in a car. So we put a little bunk bed in the back of the Tahoe and just cruised the cruised the country. We hit uh, 32 states and drove about 13,500 miles in four months, and it was the time of our lives. I mean, essentially filming a documentary on craft breweries around the U.S. and kind of letting each brewery take us to our next destination. And it ended up turning out just, you know, phenomenal. The experiences that we had, the people we met, and, you know, like they said, they saw some potential in me. And I thought, you know, this would be a good uh, good idea to jump on this outdoor kind of opportunity and see where it takes me. And uh, last year they went on a trip to Alaska, and I had edited a piece for the Fly Fishing Film Festival as well. And unfortunately we didn't get in. So, uh, I think the guys kind of took the hint that, hey, we need to uh, get someone who's going to film this properly and edit it properly and uh, see what happens. And, hey, we're we're in it this year, so couldn't ask for a a better crew to work with. And, um, I mean, just, again, the opportunity that's come from everything is just amazing. It's really cool when I get to talk to people that basically are three fishing buddies that also have, you know, bigger plans, bigger aspirations. I think it's it's cool when that comes together because, let's face it, when you're on a road, on the road, as a group, it's not always easy to pick the right people, is it? Yeah, it is always a challenge, especially when you go uh, with the with the general. That's why he has his name instead of calling a Ben. We call him the general because he means well, but he likes to bark orders at everybody. So, <laughs> yeah. no, in all in all, uh, in all fairness, it really is. It is good. Everyone does bring a lot of, of different aspects to the team, and uh, I'm always super confident because when I'm anywhere we go. He's, believe me, done his homework and research and talked to this person and knows all the flows and what we're doing and all of the, the really small details, which is great because I'm not much of a detail person. I'm kind of more of a, I don't know, ideal person, I guess, so to speak. So it, it works well because we all do kind of bring something a little different to the table. Well, believe me, Skyler, when you said the general, I knew exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> Just like to get things done. 
That's right. Well, and that's what I mean by it takes it takes lots of different, like you say, someone's got to do the scouting on this trip. And I get the feeling, Ben, that when you got down there, that was your was that your goal, just to find the right place and then get on the phone? Yeah, it was. That was a goal. I wanted to take a trip, and I kind of was going through a career change, and had some flexibility and some freedom, and decided to take a, you know go out on a whim and take a trip of a lifetime and. Yeah, the goal definitely was to film a video down there. We just weren't sure what it was going to be. And, you know, I kind of had a number of ideas of what we could do. And then I, we came across, or I came across this river. Uh, and I had met some people and had heard some whispers. And they were kind of gave me some hints of where I should be looking. And I kind of found this place. And I was just, this is it. We got to get down here. So, you know, as Scott said, I called him up and said, hey, get down here. <laughs> That's cool. Aaron, I want, I want to get your opinion on, uh, your input on some of the, characters that you met on this journey because it, it sounds like you met some people that would really open their doors up to you uh yeah for the most part we stayed in hostels along the way um hostels and then when we would go to like santiago we stayed in airbnbs and whatnot but um you know the, the one person that really sticks out to me was the fred we kind of met fred uh um you know skyler and ben just started chit-chatting with him and um you know picking his brain on some fishing stuff um and I mean, he was essentially what people were saying, a local legend in the area. And um, that right there just kind of sparked with Skyler and Ben. And they were talking with him pretty much the entire boat ride and ended up, you know, we ended up being invited to his cabin in the middle of nowhere, to, you know, do some lake fishing, grill up some steaks and, um, you know, just talk fishing and, and have a good time with those with those guys. And, um you know, it made for some really great filming. We ended up getting into a pretty, pretty huge snowstorm up there. Um, but you know, just seeing the, just seeing them interact with one another and, and the passion that you know the general and Skyler and Fred have in the fly fishing industry um, is is amazing to see. So he was probably the biggest, the biggest one that stands out as the people we met on the trip. And I mean. It, it was a wonderful day, and, and like I said, it made for some amazing filming and, and great stories. So. Hey, Mark, I want to add some details to that. Yeah, so one of the interesting characters we met down there was this, this older gentleman, but how it started about actually was a little bit different than that. We were fishing kind of, you know, like if you watch the video of the trail, you'll see we're really in the middle of nowhere. There's no one around. And we're, we're pulling up the spot. We're just getting fishing, and we're not very far from the truck. And this truck pulls up next to us, and these guys get out. And they're looking at us from a distance or watching us. I'm like, who are these guys watching us? And then I'm like, of all this river to fish, you know, there's, you know, miles and miles of river to fish. They're going to come fish right on top of us. And so I was getting a little frustrated. And then I wasn't sure what they were doing around it. It looked like they were messing around with our truck or something. And so I started to walk out up to them to see what they were doing. Realized that they were kind of just putting their waders on. I was like, whatever. We're going to move up and get away from these guys. I didn't know who they were. Fast forward a couple of days later, we run into them and, um, in town and you know we started talking and i recognized them in the truck and just started chatting about fishing and then it turns out you know i kind of was talking about some of our plans and and one of the guy goes well you know this guy uh this guy's buddy he goes you know this guy uh is a local legend here he was one of the first guys uh to come down and explore fly fishing in in this area you know some people i guess i paid him to come down and hire a helicopter and flew him around for an entire summer or two uh, to scout all these destinations out. And he had been down there for a number of years and had built a lodge and then, and then had stopped running his lodge, but still kind of was living out there. We were going to, and so he invited us to come out to lodge and then go fishing one day. 
Uh, turned out the weather was pretty poor. The river had come up and blown out. So, hey, just come over to the lodge. We're going to, you know, sit around the fire, go out in the lake, catch some fish. And the guy really opened his doors to us and, and showed us <laughs> some really interesting fishing. And it was a pretty fun experience. Much better said. Good stuff. <laughs> We're chatting today with the guys from Hogleg Fly Fishing. We've got on the line today a conference call between Ben Bortner, Skyler Moore, and Aaron Schneider. Uh, Skyler, you want to chime in on, on some of the characters you met down there? We heard a little bit from Aaron. We heard a little bit from Ben. Um, anything that uh, stood out in your mind? Uh, I think one thing that stood out in my mind was it was a pleasure to be there because People, we realized, you know, once we were down there, I think Ben had kind of done, he spent some more time there, but um, a lot of people there don't really fish just kind of for, for fun, like catch and release, you know? So when we would actually came back from where we were and we were in the city and we were showing some of the locals the fish that we caught, they were all super excited for us and, you know, asked, you know, are those salmon? We're like, no, these are brown trout. And they were like, no, no way, those are brown trout. We're like, yeah, like this is a resource you have in your backyard. And I think, uh, that actually kind of spurs some of them, I think, to, to kind of go out and explore a little bit more because, you know, when we go around Denver, we kind of joke it's combat fishing, right? You go two hours from your door and you show up at the stream and there might be 60 cars there and you're literally like waiting in line for someone to get out of a hole so you can get in there and spend some time. So I think that was probably one of the coolest parts uh, for me was to you know, experience that kind of fishing without having the crowds, which is, you know, part of the reason it takes you three and a half days to get there. But that was probably a highlight for me. Yeah, so these guys headed down to uh, Patagonia uh, in search of large browns, and looks looks to me like you guys sure hit the jackpot there. And I think it's pretty cool that you guys, you kind of keep under wraps where exactly you were, which I love. I love the fact that you, you showed the fishing, but you, you know what I mean? We don't have to give away all our secrets, do we? No, that, that was kind of the goal. The general want to chime in on that? Yeah, that was that was kind of the goal. One of the goals was to encourage people to go out and find these places for themselves. You know, if they give, everyone gives away all the secrets, then you know it, it gets rid of it, it defeats part of the purpose in my mind of fly fishing and going out and exploring and and trying and failing and and then trying and succeeding. And it's so much more rewarding when you can find these places without you know too much help or you know, people giving away all the secrets. Uh, and also there was, you know, I don't think this river could support a whole bunch of people uh, all of a sudden coming and fishing there. You know, I think that would, could, you know, kill the river. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to hurt the fishery for all the locals that, uh, some of the local guides, whatever, that do do guide there and fish there. Uh, but it's still, it's definitely a secret spot. Even in Chile, uh, people don't really talk about it. So we didn't want to uh, blow it up. And, no one actually told you, right, Ben? You, you had, they kind of gave you clues that you found it on your own. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, well, I got some pretty good clues. I met some guys. Uh, I met a guy for a beer and and a guide there. And he started, we started talking. He was being pretty coy about, you know, we were doing the fish. We went back and forth, you know, testing each other. And uh, he said, well, you might want to check around this area. You know, there's some interesting, you know, like run browns down there. And I want to look around. And so, I mean, that was, I mean, I had some pretty good things, but, you know, that was part of my, you know, beating the ground and talking to people and meeting people. And I met a lot of great uh, fly fishermen and other people when I was traveling down there. Well, I think too, Ben, I mean, you, you can do all the research in the world, but until you got boots on the ground, you, you're kind of in the dark, aren't you? Totally. Yeah. I mean, studying Google Earth too. But yeah, I mean, you know, we've had experiences in Colorado. Skylar and I were studying a spot <laughs> and looking at it, Google Earth and... 
and we decided to go try the spot. I thought I had all the features that could be a good spot, and we drive there, and we realized that we, you know, couldn't drive any further. We started walking. We didn't think it was that far of a hike, maybe a couple miles, and, you know, an hour or two later, it's, you know, seven-mile hike down into this canyon, and we get there, and just not a sign of life uh, at all. And no, no bugs, no fish. I was literally at the end. We fished for an hour or two, and I was walking through through any hole just to see if I'd spook any fish and just didn't see anything coming out. And then we hiked back out, you know, seven miles up back out. So we did a round trip, 14 miles. Uh, and then, of course, on the way back out, we noticed that there was cougar tracks following our tracks down in. So we were probably being stalked by a cougar and a hike in. <laughs> Aaron, I'd like you to chime in on something that Ben and I touched on uh, a little bit on the uh, the first podcast. Tell us a little bit about some of those roads in the Patagonia region. What are they like? Oh my goodness, the roads in the Patagonia region. Um, well, so the general he had bought a four runner down there. So thankfully, we had some sort of an SUV. But I mean, there was no paved roads, and all the roads that you were you know riding on were giant boulders in the middle, or you know giant potholes here and there. So general's not the uh, smoothest driver either. He kind of likes to go a million miles an hour. So I know I'm, I'm, we're in the middle of absolutely nowhere in Chile. And this dude's just cruising 150 miles an hour down the highway, down these dirt roads. And I'm just like, what have I gotten myself into on this trip? And where are we going? And, and, you know, I, I was starting to uh, not panic, but like, you know, again, I'm, I've never been on a trip of, this caliber where, where there's no one around and you're what there's nothing around. So it was, uh, it was pretty interesting. Um, some of general's driving techniques, in my opinion, <laughs> I, I don't want to start a fight here, guys. Come on now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say the other time when Ben was barking orders at me is when we were crossing for the first time between uh, Chile and Argentina. And we went into the, it's just basically a shack in the middle of nowhere. And they have like a wood fire going and everyone's kind of sitting around and you're obviously pretty nervous because my Spanish, I think all of our Spanish is like, you know, elementary level at best. So it's a little intimidating. Terrible. Um, yeah, to cross through the border and, uh, they were drinking mate and I'd never seen mate. I don't really know anything about it. And I have uh, snow white, uh, blonde hair. So usually I kind of stick out in these situations. They're not kind of used to seeing it. And the guy offered me mate, and Ben was like, you got to drink it. You got to drink the whole thing. You can't stop. <laughs> and it's a little metal straw, and it was so hot. My, my my whole mouth was like the whole trip was just burnt to the crisp. But I was kind of worried about, uh, you know, insulting somebody. So that was that was something that was unusual as well. Tell us a little bit about, uh, while we're on topic, about the food you guys uh, encountered on this journey. I'm sure we're talking some authentic uh, Chilean Argentinian cuisine. <laughs> Uh, I didn't really... Hey, General, you want to chime in? Who do you want to take this? Sure, I'll take it. Yeah, so one of the things that was funny about that border crossing, Skyler mentioned, is, you know, these border crossings, you drive, literally, they're 50 miles from anything. There's just like, a, like Skyler mentioned, a hut in the middle of nowhere. And then you go inside, there's like three stern-looking dudes who uh, are not very friendly and, you know, don't really feel like accommodating you as... You know, I had to pick up some Spanish, but still, and I had kind of crossed the borders around, you know, 15 times by then. So I was used to the process. And, and uh, yeah, and, so I, and also I've been, you know, drinking mate. And so we walked in, I saw Skyler's eyes kind of staring at these guys pouring mate. And uh, and the guys offered it to him because they saw him looking at it. And uh, so he started telling me about how hot it was. I was like, man, they're always hot. It's fine. And I couldn't figure out why he was 
complaining. When it finally it came around to me, and it was yeah, it was very hot. It was definitely hotter than the average. Uh, usually, it was probably too hot, but you know, you can burn your mate. But uh, anyways, that was pretty funny. Yeah, so the food actually, in my opinion, in Chile is not very interesting. Uh, in most places, especially down in these remote Patagonia regions, they don't eat a lot of interesting foods. It's you know hard to get fresh food down there. Uh, especially like fruits and vegetables, especially, um, you know, it's cold, it's dry. Well, it depends where you are. It could be, you know, the conditions are tough. There's either you're either on kind of a tropical rainforest or you're up in the high desert. Um, and they don't have the best, you know, the shipping logistics like as we do in the U S. So fresh food is not always easy to get. My, my impression in, in Chile, they kind of like to eat hamburgers, French fries, pizza, and sushi with lots of lots of cream cheese in it. Uh, there wasn't a lot of, I would say, really interesting food in Chile. Argentina, on the other hand, is really great, you know, steaks and beef, of course, and, and they both have good red wines. Uh, so those are kind of the highlights of food on the whole trip, my whole trip for me. But where we were in Chile, there was kind of slim pickings. We were kind of going to the grocery store and cooking ourselves uh, at the hostel we were staying in. Unfortunately, we're about a month or so um, behind the uh, open lamb that they do, like kind of the open flame lamb. So we asked around, and there was a, a few people that say, yeah, you know, we could do it, but it's not really tender. It's not in season, so to speak. So that was something that was a little bit of a bummer we missed out on. Uh, but that's all right. We'll go back and do it again, and I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll do it that time. But kind of I agree with Ben. You know, it's in, it's always interesting to go into a grocery store somewhere, you know, anywhere outside of the U.S., right? There's you know, the eggs um, aren't refrigerated, which isn't a big deal because they never refrigerate them. And um, there was, everything was kind of hand-flavored, like chips and Fritos and all that. They don't really um, – I didn't see anyways, mostly like, you know, nacho cheese Doritos. It was kind of ham-flavored or pickled-flavored or just kind of like more salty things, which I think has something to do with preserving the food. So it was definitely just something different, but um, we had some good stuff too, so – Kind of reminded me. I don't want to sell uh, Chile short or Argentina short. I, I did have some fantastic Cordero asado. That's like Scott mentioned the lamb, and like they put it over open, uh, like a, a lamb on a, uh, a steak over an open fire, cook it very slowly for hours and hours. And if you have a chance, if you go to Argentina and Patagonia, you, you've got to have uh, Cordero asado. It's really good. I t- I totally get what you're saying, Ben. I mean, I was in Santiago. Uh, a few years ago and to be quite honest it was some of the best food I've ever had in my life but the, I think the biggest thing is you guys are in the middle of nowhere so you know what I mean it's not like you're you're hitting high-end restaurants in 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 the middle of Patagonia exactly no we were we were grilling up hot dogs in the airport parking lot that's that's a true story <laughs> with Aaron's history of uh, hitting micro brews there might have been a few beers drank on this trip escudos very good was it Dolbeck General was it Dolbeck, the blueberry beer? The, the guy he looks like uh, has the white beard, almost looks like Santa yeah. Claus. We, that we met. His, his beer was great. Yeah, there's a brewery in southern Chile brewery, and they, they kind of distribute around the Patagonia region. And he's got some really great beers. And I, when I was in Kauai, we have we have stopped in at his brewery. So yeah, he looks like Santa Claus on the label. And it's made from blueberries. He's got a blueberry. Uh, they call it Mackey, I think, is the berry. But yeah, it's like essentially like a blueberry, wild blueberry. Did, did any of you guys take any fly tying equipment with you, or were you just kind of um, going with what you got in your box the whole time? I'm going to put this one over to Skyler. We didn't go that long. Aaron and I, I think we're gone a total of like 14 days. So it's about two days travel there and two days back. And then the driving while we were there, we probably had seven or eight days to fish. So I just kind of relied on 
what Ben told me to bring. And then he did bring his fly tying stuff down there. And truthfully, the uh, streamer that we caught most of the fish on, um, Ben actually tied, which was pretty great. It was just kind of just a big black streamer. We tried all kinds of different colors and different patterns. And we even tried to nymph some and other things that we do in Colorado. And by far, the streamer was the best. So I think Ben can talk more about it, but I know he definitely spent some time camping out, staying in his uh, forerunner and tying different patterns to try to figure out exactly what was working best before we got there. Is that fly by chance called the uh, the Marabou General? <laughs> That's a good name for one. No, they're actually just for a uh, sex dungeon, uh, some variations of a sex dungeon, you know. Uh, so there's, there's some photos I took of me, you know, someday I kept running out of them, you know, the fish, Literally, it would tear these streamers apart. You catch if you catch, you know, a handful of eight-pound browns on a on a streamer, it's not going to last very long. <laughs> At least for me, I'm, maybe I'm not I'm not an expert tire, but uh, you know the the articulation, you know, wire wears out, or you know the, the flies just start getting loose after a while. But yeah, so there's I was tying one day, you know, I was tying sitting on my chair, I had my fly tying my vice on top of my cooler, and I was sitting there tying some flies up you know, drinking some beers, but, uh, yeah, so I, I did carry around fly tying materials. I guess I got a little bit lucky. I was, I did a little bit of research to see if I could bring in like, you know, feathers and fur into a foreign country. And, uh, I kind of heard mixed reviews and I did one time I was crossing the border from Argentina to Chile and they were, you know, they had dogs searching all the bags and the dogs picked out my bags. And so they were going through them because of the feathers and fur and stuff. And they pulled them all out and they're like, they were giving me just looks like, what's this, what is this stuff? And I was just laughing and, and, uh, said I was kind of a weird guy. <laughs> it, is there, there's nothing more intimidating though, than when one of those dogs comes up to you and just kind of hangs around you for a minute. Is there? Yeah. So I was taking a bus at that point from, uh, Bariloche to Santiago and, uh, across one of these, and the buses cross all the major border crossings and they, and they search all the buses pretty thoroughly. Cause that's, I guess a lot of people, you know, try to traffic via that, but, uh, yeah, so they pull all the bags off the bus and line them up in a line and the dogs go through and pick my bags out. I'm like, Oh, great. And then I, yeah, I thought for sure I was going to lose all my fly tying stuff, which is, you know, hundreds of dollars of materials, but, uh, they let me go through, I showed them my flies and they kind of figured it out, but they were just laughing at me. Uh, so that's, that is one thing to be careful of if you're going to travel internationally and try to bring fly tying materials. It's, it can be uh, hit or miss, I guess. It might be uh, it might be uh, synthetic material kind of time, Aaron. I'm curious if if you could uh, kind of chime in on some of these patterns. Of course, you're trying to capture the essence of this this trip, and these big marabou kind of streamers would probably show up nicely on film. I'm assuming there was one day in particular where we had uh, a pretty big trial run trial run with that because um, the general wanted a a shot of the streamer floating across the they're hitting the water and then floating across the river and. Uh, so I was perched up on the side of a bank one day and, you know, I just kind of told the general, Hey, this is, you know, this is where I'll be shooting. This is how much you'll be able to see, you know? So it, it was kind of fun. He was standing across the river just kind of doing target practice, trying to get that, that one shot, you know, that, that I was, that I had envisioning in my mind. And, uh, other than that, there was another shot that really stood out to me, which was, uh, you'll see it in the film. It's probably one of my favorite shots. Um, Again, I was perched on the side of a bank, and I was shooting directly up at the general, and uh, he's he's casting, and you can just see this massive black streamer flying across the sky. 
and uh, you know throw some cool sound effects and some slow mo in there. It's it's a pretty badass shot. But yeah, so it was it was fun, kind of just working with the equipment that they had and and uh, implementing all that stuff into the shots. Yeah, those are the two that stood out to me as far as streamers go. But uh, yeah, it was a son of a bitch having to lug it, lug all of uh, lug a lot of the equipment just all over this this river. I mean, we were probably on a ten mile stretch of river and hiking anywhere from five to ten miles a day. And you know, you're carrying sixty pounds, seventy pounds, eighty pounds of of camera gear and tripods and whatever else, you know. And you're you're kind of hiking through just crazy terrain i mean some of the bushes had massive pokers on them and and you're sliding down banks to get into a shot or you're crossing rivers with thousands and thousands of dollars worth of camera equipment and you know some of those currents are pretty pretty tough so there was times when i was like oh boy you know this is uh this is getting a little sketchy but you know we made, we made do with what we had and uh you know the guys helped out as much as they could as well yeah, it was just—I mean—all around a great teamwork week in in uh, making this film. I know, I know from just personal experience when you're with a group of guys, a lot of times nobody wants to put down the fly rod and pick up the camera. <laughs> That's kind of a battle that I know I have. Um, but the fact, Aaron, that you kind of—I mean, I take it the camera is kind of your first love, is it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so yeah, my dad was actually a photographer um, growing up, and and uh, you know, so I. I kind of grew up toying around with all his cameras and and this and that and again it kind of just throughout high school i was in the tv class and you know college i decided i wanted to pursue media not i wasn't sure if it was photography videography what but uh Hmm. i'd say now i'm pretty well well well-rounded in it and kind of just gonna keep keep seeing what comes of it can you tell us a little bit aaron about the editing process that went into this uh you know when you edited this film up I, i'm assuming you got lots and lots of footage and i know you got to weed through a lot of stuff um to make a short film for the if4 uh look as amazing as it does uh tell us a little bit about that ed- editing uh, process sure so um we were down there like Skyler said for 14 days uh, i would say about seven or eight of those were fishing and uh, each day, I mean, we were out there for anywhere from seven, eight, nine hours. And uh, so, you know, filming for that long every day, you know, you come home with a lot of footage. And uh, so the editing process is pretty tedious, you know, having to scrub through all the footage, it's seven, eight hours of footage every day, trying to figure out which shots are going to make the cut, which shots are, you know, garbage. Um, you know, so that's a pretty crazy process. And then... Uh, we were steering towards kind of doing sit down interview style um, of a video at first, kind of talking about the trips as we are right now. Um, you know, the people we met, the fish we caught, the places we explored. Um, and, you know, so we shot that whole interview. I went through and, and kind of put a whole story together there. And I decided this is good. It's worthy, but it's missing something. And I think it was missing that just creative aspect. And so I kind of just threw it away for a bit and decided I was going to do some writing and ended up writing a little script um, that is voiced over by the general in the film. And the guys, I showed up to them for the first time and they loved it. So we just did some minor tweaking and kind of just went with that as opposed to the traditional sit-down interview style uh, of a film. I got a question for the general here. Uh, Ben, how did you find out that your film actually... (laughs) What's so funny? 
You don't want me to call you the general? These guys are getting me on this train. Uh, I'm just what, laughing. When, You're calling me in it now, too. Everyone calls me in all the time now. I got. I mean, I've had a little <laughs> bit of correspondence with you, so I'm familiar with your work. Um, <laughs> I like it. No, I like it. Tell, tell me how you found out. How did you find out that you were in? Uh, well, we applied. We, you know, there's a deadline to apply, and you know, basically they tell you they told us they'd tell us by a certain timeline. You know, that timeline passed a little bit, and I uh, decided to follow up. And uh, they said, "Oh yeah, we're working." We're, they were, you know, they're doing putting on all these shows together, so they're you know extremely busy. I think they read the website as well. So they said, "Yeah, we're looking for trying to find you a spot." And then they replied like a day later and said, "You're in." So it was we were pretty excited. Actually, I think it was an hour or two later. He said, "You're in." That was kind of the whole process. And you know, we I think there's a lot of applicants, so uh, we were of course humbled and honored to be a part of it. Any idea how many how many uh, short films are in uh, the IF4? Do they tell you that type of thing, or is that kind of a wait and see? Yeah, they've got all the trailers out. There's there's a combination of short films and longer films. I think there's around, I don't know, I want to say eight or ten films total in. I'm not sure how many actually applicants there were. It's something I'm curious about, but hmm. I don't know the answer to that question. What made you guys, and uh, I'm going to throw this over to Skyler. Skyler, uh, like as a group, what made you guys want to pursue you know, getting a film made and putting it in this venue. I think part of it is, uh, it's a combo of all of us, but I'm kind of always just been entrepreneurial. Um, I've never really liked, um, having anybody kind of tell me what to do for as far as a job goes. So I think that was kind of what started it just because Ben and I were fishing all, all the time and we were kind of chatting about it. And I'm like, well, we already have all this equipment. We love going to these film festivals. Uh, we love doing this. So why not actually, if we're going to be out here spending our time, you know, let's make something out of it. Why not? You know, we don't know what it's going to be. We don't really have some huge master plan, but we just, we really love this and thought, hey, this is something, you know, cool we can do. We can share with everybody. And it doesn't have to be um, something that, you know, we're doing it to make money or whatever the you know motivating factor is. We just want to do something cool. Um, and that's what we loved about Aaron's uh, film that he came up with was, you know, we really, it was kind of about our trip, but it was more just, Hey, look what these, you know, the pursuit of these fish has allowed us to experience. Right. When we reflect on it, cause sometimes it passes you by pretty quick. And then you look back at the film at the waterfalls and, you know, the snowstorm at the lake and, sitting around by the fire and, you know, getting to talk with Fred who'd been there since the eighties. And I mean, he had crazy stories about, you know, getting stuck on uh, mountain lakes up there for days at a time because it was too windy for the chopper to come back. And that's kind of what made it all worthwhile, I think. And, you know, we've already kind of um, talked about, Hey, what are we going to do next year? Right. So it's just something we really enjoy doing. And I think it's uh, something if we're going to spend our time doing it, you know what let's try to make it the best that it can be i'm curious from your point of view aaron is there such a thing as a calm day in patagonia or is it always windy uh we actually had some pretty good luck with the weather when we were down there obviously yes it's extremely windy as everyone has probably told you or you've experienced yourself um but yeah i mean the weather was for the most part pretty decent while we were there um, i remember um kind of just thinking in my head the first day we got there it was blowing like 60 mile an hour winds and they were trying to cast into this small uh small river right right near the airport and uh you know i was just like holy cow how am i gonna get 
any sound bites? How am I going to get, you know, how is this audio going to turn out with this wind just blasting into the camera the entire time? And so, yeah, thankfully we got, we got lucky with some pretty, some pretty mellow days. Um, but I could only imagine, you know, what it would have been like had we gotten stuck with eight days of wind, rain and whatever else. Yeah. Fair enough. Ben, you wanted to uh, chime in on something there? Yeah. I wanted to say, um, yeah, for me, one of the reasons I want to start making these films is I, I was thinking about this the other day. And since I was a little kid, uh, I used to always watch the snowboard videos and, you know, my buddy and I started actually a snowboard film company. He actually has become successful, successful videographer in his own right. And he does, he, I think he had a commercial action in the Super Bowl uh, this last year, but for Adidas. So we started making snowboard films when I was a kid and then I started fly fishing and I saw these fly fishing films and I, I was, you know, wanted to make those uh, too. And uh, yeah, so I was laughing the other day. I was like, man, I, when I was a kid, I wanted to make snowboard films, but here I am making fly fishing films. I never thought I'd be doing that. But uh, I think a lot of this, uh, you, you think back to the uh, Warren Miller uh, movies uh, back quite a ways back. I mean, a lot of the fly fishing films, they're very similar to me. You got you got the guides out there and they're usually pretty creative uh, and along with uh, just some of the footage you see and some of the beautiful places that these fish are in just lends itself perfectly to that world. Totally. And I've actually had the opportunity to meet one mother one time. So I've just always been interested in making, making films, being a part of them, I guess. Going back to Aaron said some comments earlier about... Um, or you guys had, you had mentioned about, you know, Aaron being a hundred percent photographer. Um, I think one of the things Skyler and I, at least for me personally, you know, I need to focus on more and want to get better at in the future as well as, you know, as, as you mentioned, Mark, you know, taking the time to put the rod down and help get some shots. Uh, definitely one of the next year and our next projects, you know, spend more time helping Aaron out with that kind of stuff. I think uh, the other thing too, that we're kind of, we always have this internal battle, right? I think there's a, Oh, I don't want to call it a, uh, a fight, so to speak, but, you know, we definitely understand, um, the fine line of enjoying the experience, right. And, you know, not living behind the camera and, you know, giving some of these hard spots away. And, you know, sometimes it causes some, some rifts in the, in the fishing community, which we def- definitely don't want or are trying to do. So that's kind of one goal that we have is to really like be conscious of, Hey, you know, what is our story? What are we trying to promote? And, you know, hopefully we're, we're bringing, a benefit to the fly fishing in the community versus this just being about catching some stuff on films. That's something that Ben and Aaron and I talk about quite a bit before we usually go on these trips. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, keeping those fish wet and, and like you say, doing, I think people can tell when it's coming from a genuine place, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, guys, um, have I missed anything that you want to capture here? Anything uh, like you want to talk about your website? Yeah. So I, um, I got some new hats coming out. I spent some time, uh, designing these hats, they're they're kind of they're pretty came out pretty cool. They're camo with uh, the outline, the silhouette of our logo in, in bright orange with the black fill, and they look pretty sweet, I think. Uh, so we just put those up on the website, hoglegflyfishing.com, and uh, we just took, took took delivery of those, and so we're ready to start shipping those out, and probably give some out at the uh, at the IF4 premiere here in Denver coming up next Friday. So come on out. That's awesome, and you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna edit this as quickly as I can so we can put this up uh, ahead of the event for you. So that's that's the uh, maybe let's talk about that, uh, Ben, if you don't mind for a second. The IF4 show, it, it's whereabouts in Denver is it? Yeah, so the the premiere is at the Denver Fly Fishing Show, which is a huge you know three day show at the Denver Mart. I think it's called. 
it's a big kind of convention center where they have all, a lot of sportsman shows and stuff. Uh, and so the, the premiere is January 4th at the fly fishing show. I think it's, it starts at 6 30 PM. Uh, so yeah, come on out. We'll be there. And then of course, if we're not fortunate enough to be in the Denver area, um, I've been to that show, like, you know, the one that moves around, around basically, uh, the country. Uh, I know they're usually in the Seattle area and I think there's one in Pennsylvania. So I'm, I assume that the IF4 will be available at all those, uh, shows. Is that correct? Yeah. So the IF4 has got, uh, shows all over. There's one in Seattle, uh, that's where my family's plan to go to on January 10th. Uh, you can check the schedule on flyfilmfest.com. And all the schedule and all the trailers on there. So check it out. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today for the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. The guys from Hogleg Fly Fishing, Ben Bortner, a.k.a. The General, Skylar Moore, and Aaron Schneider, the man behind the camera. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, Mark, thanks for having us. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Keep up the good work. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or a topic you would like to hear on the show. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.